You are so blind. You so do not understand. You weren't there at the beginning. You don't know how good it was, how important. This is it for you, this jumped up firework display of a toy advert. People like you make me sick. What's wrong with you? Now, I don't care if you've saved up all your 50p's, okay? Take your pocket money and get out! <laughs> What a prick. The Whiskey Reel presents Judgment Day. Listener discretion is advised. The podcast that you are about to hear is politically incorrect and offensive. The opinions expressed are merely for comedy purposes. This is your Judgment Day. We all go a little mad sometimes. What an excellent day for an exorcism. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Time to play. Welcome back to Judgment Day. You guys, this is a very special episode. I'm bringing on a very, very special guest. It's a surprise guest, as a matter of fact. Because it's me. What? It's true. It's a true story. I'm going to put myself on the chopping block. I, as you know, I like to maintain credibility. So, <laughs> if, I, if I'm... <laughs> I'm sorry, that made me laugh uncontrollably. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. It's because you've known me for a very long time, sir. Um, there's a mystery voice in the room that's going to now do our intro, and we'll see if you guys can guess who is speaking to you. Bobby, what is your middle name? Dean. Dean. I know. I know. Like Dean Smith. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to get in your head or anything. No, not at all. Bobby Dean Smith. <laughs> Boy, the day of judgment has passed. Were you found worthy and achieved salvation? Then dine with the gods. If not, then you find yourself burning in a pit of despair and pain. This is it. Your last chance to find yourself rising into the heavens. Into the heavens. You guys might recognize the sultry, dulcet tones of Mr. Blake Crouch, our dear friend of this podcast, New York Times bestselling author. We can't talk about anything right now because he's not writing any... Well, yeah, he's writing, but nothing nothing to speak of as of yet. Nothing to speak of as but of yet. you are, you know, still maintaining your, uh, your credibility. I uh, am still uh, working on a book and uh, yeah. trying to... Have a summer, I know, which I is slipping to, fast away. I can't wait to hear this idea. You say you have this big idea, but I can't wait to hear it. I know you are recently back from Peru. Back from Peru. That seemed like a lovely trip. I followed it on the Instagrams. It, it was lovely. It was. I took three kids and my partner down there, and we did 10 flights. Oh, my God. And just... With three children. With three children. And I've met your kids. Good Lord. It was actually wild. They're, no, they actually were great. I was actually... And your the, kids are I great. complained more than anyone else. Yeah. Um, and your kids are getting older. I'm sure they're yeah. easier to travel with and a lot more fun to travel oh, with. They, yeah. This this was a beautiful trip, but I mean, at the very, it was a hard one. And like literally 10 minutes before we leave the restaurant in uh, the Peru airport to go, in the Lima airport to go through security, my son gets up and realizes his backpack is gone. Oh, shit. He was on top of all of our other luggage. And he had an air tag. I was like, oh, God, oh, maybe they're still in the airport. Yeah, and, he right. left, and he fired it up. They were seven miles away. 
One minute later, <laughs> I get a charge notification, except decline for $1,400 of candy at some, uh, or of confections. What? Yeah, it was wild. Luckily, he had his passport and phone in his, or no, yeah, he had his passport and phone in his pocket. Or, uh, you know, I might still be in Peru with him. Good travel tip. <laughs> yeah. Keep yeah. your passport in your fanny pack or what ha- what you have that you can keep people from stealing. But wow, that would have been fun to like. Keep it on your person. Yeah, but that would have been so fun if that person was still in the airport or if they were like oh. just outside. I mean, oh my God. I mean, it sounds yeah. kind of like the start of a thriller, right? Yeah, it does. We'd have chased them. If we had to stay in the country, if they'd had his passport. Frantic. Frantic. It would have been a Harrison Ford frantic, frantic. situation. <clears throat> I yeah. like that. You made an illusion um, not long ago about going to Brazil next. Going to Brazil to uh, promote the release of Upgrade in, oh, nice. in Brazil, oh, in the, Portuguese. Uh, Brazil. That's awesome. Going to Bienal, which is uh, a book festival they have once every four years. It's one of the biggest in the world. And it is only slightly less crazy, I'm told, than Carnival. Really? Yeah. That's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. That's awesome. I can't wait. Upgrade's can't wait. a great book. If you guys have not taken the time, you should. Thank you. Thank it you. It's a wonderful thriller, sci-fi thriller. Hard sci-fi thriller? Would I would I go so I far? I would say it is probably the the hardest sci-fi <laughs> the thriller. Hardest, it's the hardest to date. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, recursion might be your hard sci-fi thriller. It's a hard plot thriller. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I, the Brazilian um, readers are always like the most vocal and intense on Instagram, and I like I. It's going to be a trip. I have a question for you. Since you're spending all this time in South America, the South Americans notoriously love a drink that you and I drink together all the time named Fernet Branca. I didn't know this. Oh, yeah. Argentinians especially enjoy Fernet Branca. They drink it with Coca-Cola. I think there's a name for it when you mix Fernet and Coke, but whatever. It's Fernet Branca and Coke. It's headache. My question to you, and I'll put you on the spot... Is there any weird historical event that would <laughs> kind of explain why Italian liqueur is so popular in South America? Maybe something that maybe happened in the 40s. Wait. Well, you know the answer. You know the answer to this. I don't know the answer to this, but I've always wondered if in fact I have you ever seen um The Boys of Brazil? No. <laughs> About ex-Nazi clones of Hitler being in South America. <laughs> no, but obviously I'm well, going to watch that tonight. No, you definitely should. Um, it's not that good, but no. I, I'm, I always wondered, there was a mass exodus out of Germany and Italy <clears throat> in the 40s and 50s because of obvious reasons, because of the war. The fascists pivoted and said, well, we'll go to South America. <laughs> and I'm wondering, did they bring Fernet Branca with them? <sighs> what if they did? I I've always. I don't know why my brain goes. To I that did see it, it everywhere down there. It, everywhere. In that we everywhere. were just in. We were just in like Peru and Lima, but everywhere. Even in this weird bar we went to the jungle. They no, had Fernet. They had a bottle of Fernet. Yeah. There's three bars in Durango that have a bottle of Fernet. Oh yeah. And they. That's because I have specifically <laughs> requested. <laughs> there is also a new uh, Italian restaurant in Durango. I, I, I can't remember if I actually texted a picture of this to you. That has an Amaro. On tap, you know where the palace used to be. Yeah, so we were in there last. And I, I can't recall the name of the place. 
I can't recall the name of the place either, but it's near the train depot where the palace used to be. Everyone has said it's lovely. Oh, dude, it is fantastic. I've been there twice, and this last time, Jackie and I went there and sat at the bar because we used to do that for a burger night, and it was just the same cool vibe. And either the manager or the owner who was Italian came over at the end because I was like ogling the this like cool machine he had, which I had a horrifying moment of thinking it was Jägermeister and we had made a terrible mistake. But no, it was this beautiful uh, really? Amaro. That's that is served so cold, it frosts the no glass kidding. that comes in. That's interesting. I thought I took a picture of it, but I can't find it here. So. I really like that. Um, the amaro, the art of the amaro, I think is lost on a lot of people because they're very herbal and bitter. And well, I mean, amaro literally means bitter, so like, yeah, that's what they are <clears throat> there. And I know people bristle at mm. that, but I think it's yeah. fucking amazing. Oh, I think obviously. It's- it's just such a I have such a complicated relationship with Fernet. When really? I have Fernet, I'm like, well, at a certain time, like it's in the evening, whatever. But I don't really have it in the evening. I usually exclusively drink Fernet when I just want to fuck the rest of my day. Yep. The, the rest of your, were you planning to go to the gym? You're not anymore. <laughs> like I feel like we're gonna find out in ten years. Like, oh no. Fernet has these weird psychoactive properties and it's going to be pulled from the shelves. That would explain a lot. I will say this. It has a physiological effect of it makes me sweat a little bit. And I'm a big man, so I sweat. But it's the only alcohol that I have a noticeable change in my body temperature. I go up like three degrees (laughs) internally when I drink Fernet. And I love drinking Fernet with my friend Blake. Um, I think I've expanded Fernet culture in this town. Oh, for sure. I don't feel like you should ever have to pay for another Fernet for the rest of your life. Thank you. (laughs) I've been saying this for a very long time. I paid for one today, and I'm pissed. That's bullshit. I'm always pissed. But I pay Uh, for about half of them, if that is the truth. I feel like like you're trying to delay this very intense line of questioning that you have to face before we find out if... uh, yeah, you so going to the, the good place or the? This is the deal. If you're not picking up, it turns out that Blake is going to be the proctor today, and he is going to decide my fate. And uh, I have, well, I didn't do it. Heaven <clears throat> did it. The, uh, the <laughs> heaven delivered upon him twelve new questions. There's only been one podcast featuring these questions. This is my first time facing this crucible. And uh, I'm pretty excited about it because I think this is my best set of 12 questions. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do. I'm pretty proud of myself. So I'm going to turn the show over to Mr. Blake Crouch. I'm honored to have you in that seat, sir. I'm honored to be in the seat. Coming live from Cloud City. Here we go. Live from Cloud City. Bobby Dean Noyes. (laughs) What is the first R-rated movie you remember? This actually took me longer to figure out than I would have thought because... I had to actually go back and check a couple of dates because I know there were certain movies I saw when I was a certain age and I was like, well, shit, did that one come first? Because, I mean, as a young man, I'm almost 50, so you were allowed to go to the theater no matter what age you were. It just didn't (laughs) matter. (laughs) Also, the breadth of the span back in, like, pre-1990 between, like, G and R, it was like a pass-fail. It was either hard R... Or, and there are PG movies in the 80s you know what's funny? that could still be rated R. As I give you my answer, I'm actually going to have a follow-up question for you because the answer to this question is The Shining. So I Whoa. saw The Shining in the theater with my brother. That movie came out in 1980. 
I was like seven fucking years old. And they were like, I, sure? Yeah, yeah, take them on in. <laughs> and not with my parents. And here's some lawn darts. Why don't y'all go play these yeah. after? Not with my parents, with my fucking 16-year-old brother. They just were like, yeah, go watch The Shining. Nothing bad can come of this. Dude, that's a hard R. Is it? Think back. No. Is this a hard R? I showed it You deal to, with this. I screened it for uh, my kids recently. Because my my girls like are obsessed with horror movies. Okay. And in my mind, The Shining was like a lot more like intellectual and cerebral than it was. Yeah. I had forgotten how much just straight up nudity, how much like really horrific like terror is in that movie. I mean, there's a lot of like psychological yeah. terror. There's a lot of just actual terror. There's some creepy psychosexual mm. stuff. Yeah. Toward the end of it, especially mm-hmm. when Wendy's running around and all the ghosts are blowing each other and shit. <laughs> I mean, there's that, yeah. But I was thinking, of, like, from a gore standpoint, there's yeah. not a lot of gore in it. No, no. Other than Scatman Carruthers. Elevator full of blood that rushes out. Well, but that's not really gore, per se. I know. that's And it's more in her head, right? Mm-hmm. She starts to actually see it, I guess, toward the end. But I don't know. I, I was I'm just wondering if that would be actually a rated r movie today i mean the for the nudes- nudity for the nudity absolutely for the horror probably not i because i but i don't the horror they do today is different it's not as upsetting no it's not as upsetting no and that movie was upsetting <sighs> on a lot of levels there were i mean it deals with like there's allusions to like child abuse that was going on, well, not even illusion. I mean, they come out and say it, that Jack actually dislocated Danny's mm-hmm. arm, I guess, mm-hmm. while in a drunken stupor. There's the alcoholism aspect of it. Um, <clears throat> there might be some implied um, violence between Wendy and Jack. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> implied? <laughs> well, but I mean, yeah. prior to yeah. oh, him sure. becoming the caretaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you seen Dr. Sleep? I have not. I think you should take the time to watch that movie. Okay. I, okay. It's fucking amazing. Okay. It's so good. Is it as disturbing as The Shining? I, the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think it's every bit as disturbing. While we're talking horror, something I think deserves a real, like, theatrical treatment. It's a book I'm reading right now, which reminds me a little bit of The Shining, because it's so, like, how crazy. Heart-shaped box, Joe Hill. Oh, I've read Heart-shaped box. So I am about... Four hours into but, it, I'm listening we, to it. Should we explain who Joe Hill is? He is the son of Stephen King. He is the progeny. And man, the guy can write his ass off. He's a good writer. He's a great writer. And I, I love this book. It is so Would weird you say that's setting. the book? I, I, that's kind of the book that sprang I think so. Joe I don't know Hill, if it's right? his first. Was that his debut? I don't debut? think it's his first. I don't think it's yeah. his debut. But that's definitely the one that I think sort of put him on the map. Boy, it's a pre-Me Too book, too. And what a tough gig. Why would you become a horror author if you're Stephen King's kid? Balls, man. It's like Jacob Dylan. Like, yeah. What are you doing? Oh, and, but it works. And <laughs> but it's it works. super unsettling. And frankly, I enjoy his writing, I think, more than his father because I think he is a lot more economical. Yeah. Um, sorry, Stephen. I think it's been optioned before. Man, someone's got to. Someone's got to do this. Yeah. Wow. Well, anyway, that's a Mike Flanagan. I would hope Mike but, Flanagan. Oh, yeah. he would crush it. Yeah. He, that's a. Hmm. Uh, that's a great answer for your first oh, one. Well, thanks. Uh, you should feel good about your prospects at this point. Okay. Okay. Still have eleven to go. What is your? Ooh, ooh this is a. 
I know. An interesting one. What is your favorite sports movie? This one was harder than I thought. I had to actually pull up a list of sports movies. Um, I have two answers, but I'll stick with one. I have two in my head, and I'm really hoping that you say one of them. But actually, no, no. I have three in my head, and I really hope you say one of them. I was trying to go just like with my first blush Mm -hmm. um, response kind of thing, which was Bull Durham. But then I, it's in my head. I started to question whether or not is Bull Durham truly a sports movie or is it sports adjacent? Hmm. And I think I think it might be kind of sports adjacent. Mm-hmm. But and that was um Ron Shelton and I think that's what he does is he makes movies that take place around sports like uh White Man Can't Jump um, Ten Cup, you know, but it, ultimately his movies are about the relationships. I mean, aren't all sports movies about relationships? Yeah, they are. They are. I mean, The Natural's about a relationship. Yeah. Well, like, what's the most hard sports movie? Like that, would you say is not about a? That's not so relationship focused. It's literally oh, about like, man. are they going to win the season? That is a really, really good question, actually. Oh, it's, um, probably, it's probably like a biopic. It'd be a biopic because you're really tracking. You know what popped into my head when you asked that question is Oliver Stone's um, Al Pacino football movie. Oh, any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. That <laughs> seemed that was very much about yeah the sport itself. I would, I would say Moneyball is very much about the sport. It's funny you bring up Moneyball. <laughs> That's actually my answer to this. Yes, question. that is my favorite sports movie. It is. It is my favorite sports movie because it is. Obviously, there's a beautiful relationship in it between Brad Pitt and his daughter, Billy Bean, um, who is a real guy. This all mm-hmm. kind of really happened. happened. Um, but it is about changing the sport. Mm-hmm. And it did. It changed baseball kind of forever in the way that they operated. And it changed a lot of sports in the mm-hmm. way that they operated. And it's a little bit like, this is going to be a weird analogy, it's a little like a law and order in terms of the way it treats its main character. Like, you go home a little bit with Billy Bean, but it is like, what you see of his personal life is only in, yeah. like, sketches. Yeah. And it's and it's funny, they even illustrate that, like, there's a scene where he ends up at his ex-wife's house to pick up the daughter, and he has the awkward conversation with the new guy in her life. But it's all very, it goes back to baseball. That's mm. the only thing they can really keep talking about <laughs> and connect about is like, well, you're yeah. you're this baseball general manager. So you know that movie was going to be like directed by, um, uh, it was written by Aaron Sorkin. Yep. And it was going to be a very different uh, kind of thing, and they pulled the plug on it. Like, I didn't with, know that weeks to go, with weeks to go, or maybe like they were about to like actually go into production. And am I? I might be crazy. Am I? I think like Steven Soderbergh was going to do it. It was going to be like really like a lot of uh, like newspaper clippings and things like this and like super fast paced dialogue. Well, it's Sorkin. It's Sorkin. And like Brad Pitt does not do fast paced. That is not who he is as an actor. Yeah. Um, Anyway, look into it sometime. It's a fascinating story of what happened to the original movie that was going to be Moneyball. And I will say this. Everyone should fucking watch Moneyball. Because that movie is it's about a, as perfect yeah. a movie as you're ever going to watch. It's they they made the movie they set out to make. Hundred percent. It's just lovely, and it has a beautiful, understated soundtrack too. Oh, it has a great soundtrack, mm. and 
there there's a couple of moments bring some tears you mm-hmm. know the whole thing yeah. it's a great movie how do you not get emotional about baseball I, exactly exactly so good so good you're right that was a great answer that was a great answer <laughs> also uh would have accepted jerry Maguire. I thought about that too because I love Cameron Crowe so much, and Cameron Crowe will come up in this podcast. But I thought it was an extraordinary display of restraint not choosing a Tom Cruise sport because you could have all. I didn't. I, I that first twenty minutes is the best acting of his life. It's sport adjacent. It's sport adjacent. It's sport adjacent. Um, amazing. <laughs> all right. Um, oh wow, this is broad. How do you even begin to answer this one? Okay. Oh, this is such a broad question. By the way, my answer kills. It's great. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> what is your favorite movie character? So, you said this is broad, and I actually came to the conclusion sitting today at the deli while I was figuring out my answers. Like, I need to refine this a little bit. For one thing, I think I should exclude franchise characters. It'd be very easy for me to say. My favorite movie character is James Bond. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But uh, come on. That is such a... <clears throat> it also crosses uh, multiple actors and eras. And, yeah. I mean, but you could say it. and I could say it. I know, would judge that. Because I could also say Indiana Jones. Favorite movie character. Yeah. I wouldn't be wrong. You know what I mean? So I decided, no, I'm going to choose a character from a movie, a standalone oh, okay. film. Okay. Kevin Klein. In the late 80s, as Otto in Fish Called Wanda, yes, might be the greatest movie oh, character of all time. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Oh, I love that you said By it, the way, that is one of the funniest movies, if not the funniest movie ever made. It is up there with, um, well, nothing else. I think it might be the funniest movie ever made. It's Mount Rushmore, for sure. It's up there. Yeah. Like, I mean, that movie is hysterical from beginning to end. It's like... Kevin Klein at the ugly American meeting these um, very mannered British characters that are also like kind of Monty Pythonish. Char- I don't know. It's a, it was like a perfect storm, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to have a little detour because I'm in Please. fucking charge. No, here. you're in charge. Let's talk about our Rushmore Rushmore of comedies. Oh, okay. I'm going to add. You added one. We're going to have four, right? There's four. On, are there four? Uh, yeah. On? So if you're going to so do you add one Rushmore, there's four. All right. Fish called Wanda. I agree with. I'm going to add. I'm going to add mine. If okay. you agree, we'll, uh, we'll continue. I would have to put Tropic Thunder on it. I think it's Ooh. one of the I absolute crowd-pleasing. I've seen it so many times. I watch it. If I'm depressed about something, I watched it. And, yeah. Um, I don't just, know if it makes my Mount Rushmore. Ooh, you're dinging it. You can ding it. No, you, I'm not dinging it. No, you can ding it from the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. yeah. You're dinging it. Okay, all right. Go, go for yours. It's an honorable mention. Uh, okay. <laughs> There's no honorable mentions in Judgment Day. All right. What's all right? Um, if I was going to go with one on my Mount Rushmore, this is going to be probably slightly controversial, but I would say Raising Arizona by the Coen Brothers is one of the funniest movies ever made. Ooh. I and I mean, that. it's great. You know what? It, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to let you have it. Okay. I'm going to add it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to let it. I'm going to let it onto our uh, national monument. <laughs> I, I mean, I know most people go to Lebowski as their go-to comedy Lebowski or comedy Coen Brothers film, but I think Raising Arizona is twice as funny as Big Lebowski. I think it is hysterically funny. I fall asleep every time I try to watch The Big Lebowski. I don't know why. I'm not saying it's a judgment on the movie, but it's something's 
something about it doesn't jive with me. Okay, uh, I'm going to add one. <laughs> if you'll allow me. I'm... Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Totally agreed. Revisited it, hoping it would hold up. It's better now. It's so good. It's so good. It's timeless, classic comedy um, with two actors, I think, at the height of their moment. Who are perfect foils for each other. Absolutely. And then the, a twist that's just Amazing brilliant. twist. Glenn Hetty, love you, miss you, love <clears throat> her so much. She almost um, became uh, Letty's mom. We, we auditioned her for that, and she was, like, incredible. Yeah, she's fucking fantastic, and she's one of those actresses that would just pop up, mm-hmm. and you're not left thinking, oh, that was a great Glenn Hetty movie. Headley? Hetty. I think it's Headley. Headley. Thank you. Yeah, I was thinking Lena Hetty. Is it? Right. But anyways, I'm conflating two things. But yeah, she's never like the thing you're going to remember about the movie, but she's the one of the most pleasant parts of every fucking movie she's ever been in. Yeah. You know what I mean? I love her. Round out Mount Rushmore. Round it out. Um, I, ooh, It's hard. I'm going to go back to the Monty Python thing. I think Life of Brian is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. I can't get away from it. I've tried, but I can't. Almost prescient in how goddamn hilarious that movie is. I don't think I can. Yeah, I can't. It's hard to argue. What am I doing? Ding, Monty, <laughs> Life of Brian. Like, yeah. No. Okay. And, I, okay. and again, I know everybody loves Holy Grail, but I think Life of Brian is just the yeah. smarter, funnier, uh, more effective movie. And there's scenes in that movie. I mean, they talk about trans politics in that movie from 35 plus years ago in a way that is still incredibly insightful and funny today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is a conversation we're still having, and Monty Python had it forever ago. And they figured it out. Prescient. That was a a very nice handling of an on-the-fly question that will go towards your... Overall, <laughs> good, good, good. Uh, fate score. What is a movie that you have lied about seeing? <laughs> Woo! I'll, make, <laughs> I'll make this kind of quick. Okay, but there's two of them, and but I don't want to talk too much about Scarface, which I've already discussed on this podcast. I've never fucking made it through Scarface. I've never started it. I I've, I've also never lied about seeing it. I think I've started it like fifty times. But I had a lot of, take this for what you will, a lot of black guys love Scarface. That's a big movie in that community. And in the Air Force, every we would they would like, dude, we're watching Scarface. Come over, we're watching Scarface. And I'm like, oh, I've already seen it. <laughs> <laughs> but mostly, I just didn't yeah. want to watch Scarface. For some reason, I think Al Pacino is grating and annoying as shit in that movie. I think his accent is nothing but offensive. <laughs> Even heard, when I was a yeah. kid. I've heard so many of, like, I like know so many of the quotes from the movie. It would be hilarious to get someone who's never seen it to actually try to describe what they think the plot of that movie is. Yeah. I, have no, I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. I know there's a lot of cocaine and machine guns. The other answer was The Notebook. For obvious reasons, yeah. I've lied about seeing that movie. Yeah. I will never watch that movie. I have it. never seen one second of that movie. We can get into the reasons for that <laughs> that lie later. <laughs> the whys. The whys. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I like this question. Ooh, this is interesting. Okay. What is your most disappointing movie? Okay. We could talk a lot about a lot of disappointing movies. So this many. This is the granddaddy of disappointing movies. And there's, and there's different le- levels of disappointment. There's, oh, it's disappointing for you personally, and maybe other people won't understand why it is. Or it's like it disappointed a generation. And I'm curious which way you go. 
I think you know what I'm going to say. This movie let down an entire generation, my generation, those of us that had waited for, I think, 25 years at that point to get this particular film. And it could not have shit the bed any harder. That is, of course, The Phantom Menace. It was the most disappointing film experience, even more so than like, I mean, the other ones are like Crystal Skull. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just these movies that they're just like, fuck, that let me down so hard. So hard. Yeah. That's, I I was uh, I was in college, I think maybe my freshman year when we went to see it. And it was a very weird experience because I don't think it occurred to anyone that it wouldn't be great. Never like, even, never, never even crossed occurred. my mind. So the slow awful dawning of the realization that this is not even really a story. Well, think about the lead up to it. We had been told since we were little kids that George Lucas had already written these movies. Yeah. He wrote nine movies and we're like, oh, this is going to be great. He's already come up with the story. No, he hadn't. No. That was the biggest lie that has ever been perpetrated (laughs) on the world populace was that George Lucas knew what he was going to do with that entire saga. He lied. He's a big, fat liar. (laughs) You know what? I'll just say this. At least it wasn't new. At least it was a new story, and it wasn't a nostalgic jerk-off. I will take that any day over the shit that just came out since uh, Force Awakens. But you know what? Very fair. That's That's very fair. That's a whole whole other conversation. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, six. Question six. This is great. Oh, I know this one for me. What is a movie you loved, but having seen it recently, you realize it actually sucks? This is going to be the one that might put me in a spot of trouble here, not only with you, but maybe with a lot of people. Um, I'm going to say The Goonies. I think The Goonies is fucking terrible. And I loved that movie growing up. But what I realized as an adult, as we evolve, it's just an hour and a half of a bunch of kids fighting with each other. That's all that movie is. For like 90 minutes is just kids screaming at each other. And I mean shrieking at each other and and talking over each other and being horrible to each other. It's uh, obviously Donner, you know, being a, I mean, it's great. He's a great filmmaker, but that was hard to watch. It's weird. I, I'm not going to ding you on that because I watched it with my kids recently and had, had not the same experience. I didn't think it was, like, bad. I just thought it was like, God, this is a lot weirder and more, like, idiosyncratic than – not necessarily in a great way than <laughs> I remembered. Right. I love the setting. I love that Oregon Coast setting. I think that's, like, super fucking cool. I loved – I love the big set pieces sort of towards the end. It is a bit of a mess. It's a mess. Yeah. 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 It's, it's all over the place. It was, but it was very much in line with what was happening during that time period. You know what I mean? I was in the time period of like, remember Monster Squad? Monster Squad is great, by the way, and it holds up. I've recently really? watched Fred Decker. Yeah. The character design and the uh, practical effects in that sh- movie are still top notch. Those characters look amazing. I love. I love. And that those era. kids are not yeah. half as fucking annoying. No, as the kids from the Goonies. No, but it gave us Brolin and Sean Astin and. Did you ever watch the Explorers? Yeah, I remember the Explorers very it's well. Super fun. That's super, super fun. fun. 
Wow. Okay. I know, I, know I took a wow. swing on that one. <laughs> I think you got to like second on that one. Yeah, it wasn't a home run. All right. Um, oh, this is a tough category for me. What's your favorite rom com? This is hard because first of all, I love rom coms. I'll just say mm-hmm. I love a good romantic comedy, but I went classic on this one. Mad I Max think, Fury Road. I th- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you have to delve into the subtext. You really have to watch carefully. Um, now, I went with When Harry Met Sally mm. because, first of all, I think it's Billy Crystal's finest hour. It's his best role. The chemistry, I think, between he and Meg Ryan is phenomenal. It's truly funny. Truly funny. And truly romantic. And that's the problem. A lot you. of rom coms are one or the other, or yeah. one, like one of the aspects totally outshines the other and it's balanced that's a really good point actually i like that it is balanced and just acerbic enough to keep you interested in the characters but not ironic not being like cynical in any way there's nothing cynical about that movie and i think rob reiner might be the most underappreciated american director of all time i think he's appreciated but how appreciated? I mean, he's never gonna. Have you ever seen North? He's that's terrible. But like, <laughs> but I've seen Stand by Me, and I've Genius. seen with Harry Met Sally, Genius. and a few Good Men, and I've seen The Princess Bride, and I've seen you know. I mean, when you really start going down, yeah, th- his... that's an, that's a that is a Rushmore of films that are undeniable. Okay, statement retracted. I'm just saying he's a. I think he's a great American filmmaker, but also North. Not bad, so bad. Hey, everyone's going to lay an egg, dude. <laughs> Rob Reiner, for the most part, who I guess I guess he's just completely retired at this point. I think so. Yeah. Um, he made some really great films. I, I mean, I think a few, Seminal. A, a few Good Men is like just perfect. It's, it's damn near perfect. Yeah. That's for me up there with like Moneyball. Like if it's on, I'm just, I'm watching. I'm Turn finishing up, yeah. this. I'm finishing this. The remote drop. Just watch it. Oh, this is a cool question. Who... Is your favorite movie devil? Yeah, we actually just talked about this on the Whiskey Reel a couple weeks ago. Um, so avid listeners will know my answer already, maybe. Um, there's some obvious ones like uh, Pacino and Devil's Advocate, um, De Niro in Angel Heart, um, things like that. And I'm going true devil. Who portrayed Satan? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with David Warner in Time Bandits is Whoa. now they don't there's a caveat they don't actually call him the devil in the movie they just refer to him as evil mm-hmm. you know what I mean and there's God is in the movie but they don't really call him God they call the devil evil but I mean he's dressed in red and has like bones all over him and shit and it's the funniest portrayal of any devil without being goofy there's nothing goofy about his portrayal it's menacing it's hilarious, and I don't know. I love that movie so fucking much, and I I think kids should watch that movie. I thought, you, I thought you were going to go Legend. I thought about that. Also, is that Satan? And is it the performance, or is it just that fucking insanely good makeup job that they did on him? It's that's a, I mean, I, that is a super interesting movie from the 80s. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Ridley Scott. Uh-huh. Would have also, uh, by the way, accepted uh, the baby from Rosemary's Baby that we never see. Oh, I thought about that. I thought about Captain Howdy, obviously, from The Exorcist. Um, there's a, you know, there's a lot of different 
um, iterations mm. of the devil in cinema, mm. but I just love David Warner's portrayal. And he, we just recently lost David Warner. Um, he was also in The Omen, famously. That's right. Lo- loses his head in The Omen from the devil oh killing him. Yeah. The first time I ever watched The Omen, I had just come home from having my wisdom teeth taken out, and I was super high on uh, whatever those... Yeah. Uh, that awesome shit. And, oh man, that was one of the best movie experiences of my life it's a great movie i love this answer i'm into this answer okay good we're gonna i'm noticing a little monty python trend in my answers that i didn't notice before but that was uh we've terry, noticed it too terry gilliam <laughs> written and directed mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> uh oh wow okay if aliens landed and wanted to know what film is what movie would you show them this has got to be the hardest question in Judgment Day history because basically... You're asking for Plato's ideal of a movie. Basically, yeah. What is the perfect movie? Um, I don't... I still don't think I love my answer on this. I thought about Goodfellas because I think Goodfellas is amazing. <clears throat> but, like, aliens aren't going to understand, like, the whole slice of life part of our history that Goodfellas is, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, We'll go back to a Stephen King thing, and I think one of the most perfect movies ever made, even though it's not one of my favorite movies ever made, is Shawshank Redemption. I think it's structurally perfect. Mm -hmm. I think it's acted... I don't think there's a bad performance in that movie. It's a little big, but that was of its time. Like, performances were big. I mean, the acting, I think, was... A, a yeah. little like sure. I'm not saying it's like theatrical, but like, I in just the know that I miss my friend. Yeah, I mean, there's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit of that, but the, that's acting, the, right? That's cinema. That is acting. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. So I I went with Shawshank. Will I it hold up though in 20 years? Or I I don't know if Shawshank. I feel like it, and I'm not ready to say though? this yet. I know, in another 20 years. Okay. Another twenty years. Is it still, or is it going to feel like? Um, Are you just moving the goalpost on me? Is that? What... <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for time, true timelessness. I think it's still number one. IMDb, mm-hmm. um, top two fifty or whatever they do. I think mm. it's been there for twenty five years. It has one of the best. I, it has like the most satisfying ending of like a movie, maybe. Nope. The epilogue, yeah. like. No, 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 the uh, or the ending. No, no, the ending. The, the what? What he does. I mean, like, I, can we? We can. Spo- if you haven't seen Shawshank Redemption, no, you why are you spoil, listening, no, to a, listening to a fucking yeah, movie spoiler, podcast? Yeah. yeah, I mean, when he the way that he gets out and he was doing it the whole time. That's such a great reveal. I Phenomenal. love that. I th- yeah, I think it's great. I think it's so great. I'm just I like, mean, how many movies have aped <clears throat> that ending? You know, the oh, warden yeah. looking through the hole in the wall. That whole, you know, that's mm-hmm. been in a number of different things. You know what I mean? I mean, Citizen Kane, they'd probably just get bored. Um, yeah, I don't want to watch Citizen Kane with them. I would go, I thought about The Searchers, but then, like, because, I mean, that's John Ford, and it's kind of a perfect movie as well, but, like, are aliens going to understand, like, well, why do you guys hate Native Americans? <laughs> I, almost <laughs> think, I almost think, like, a Terrence Malick movie would be interesting because it's so it's such the the medium it isn't like a lot of talking it's like it's almost an impressionistic ideal of what a movie is if you were going to go with a terrence malick film what would it be days of heaven days of heaven 
Yeah, that's my answer. Too. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, I'm brilliant say- directorial choice by not letting Richard Gere talk too much. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. Uh, okay. Oh, this is good. Everyone, everyone has a favorite Tarantino film. What is yours and why? I wonder if I can guess what yours is. Do you want to try to guess? You've known me a long time. I know what it's not. I'm going to start rolling off what it's not. Because I was going to bring up my least favorite Tarantino film also. And it's by a mile. Yeah. I don't think it is. uh, I don't think it's Inglorious Bastards. Okay. Am I right? No. It's Inglorious Bastards. It's Inglorious Bastards. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Really? Why would you not? I thought I knew you. Yeah. No, no. I thought you were gonna go more like Jackie Brown, or um, mm. or maybe uh, you know, old, old school Reservoir. Jackie Brown's top three. Um, I think no one has adapted Elmore Leonard as successfully without it even seeming like an Elmore Leonard yeah. adaptation but at it, all. It's obviously Elmore Leonard too. But it captured everything about Elmore Leonard that's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it at no time where you're like overtaken by like oh this is an elmore leonard adaptation mm-hmm. like another great elmore leonard adaptation is out of sight oh, but that feels like they're adapting elmore mm-hmm. leonard that's soderbergh yeah great fucking movie by the way maybe the sexiest movie ever made it's fin- it's a perfect movie and yeah it's great but um inglorious bastards to me is it captures tarantino in a weird way like it, it, it has the best of all of hmm. his worlds. That's interesting. There's no fat on it whatsoever. Every scene in that movie is fucking off the charts. Historically amazing. Oh, the and that scene in the um, basement uh, oh. is... The basement bar? The bar scene in the basement? It's incredible. Is, I think, one of his best. I didn't say, I didn't guess, by the way, I just want to say, I didn't uh, call that out because I didn't think you it was good. I, just, I For some reason, I thought you were going to go those two. For me, it might, I don't know if it's my favorite. It might be my favorite. It's, it's. I think it's amazing. Um, it's meta too. It's the meta stuff that he started to do with like a little bit of. And you know what's funny about that movie too, and this is probably what puts it over the top for me. I think Tarantino sucks at writing female characters. I think he fetishizes females in most of his movies. He writes their feet very well, though. Yes, he does. But in Inglorious Bastards, the women in that movie. Oh yeah, what's her name? Joh- are, uh, Johanna oh, or is that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then don't forget uh, Diane Kruger, who oh, plays the yeah. uh, the actress. That mm-hmm. she's in the basement scene, and she's wonderful in it. Yeah. And her dialogue is wonderful. And like most of the time, I cringe a little bit at Tarantino when he writes for women. But man, his female character—I mean, my favorite scene in the movie is when, when um, I, yeah, I can't remember her name either. But when she lights the theater on fire, <laughs> and her face is appearing through the smoke, and David fucking Bowie is playing in the background and I'm just like this is come on dude this is cinema this is everything I want and actually like, that's my answer like, for, yeah. that might be my answer for nine actually for the aliens <laughs> is, is, well also and I would suggest this is in a quality of like great films it introduces someone new that we really don't haven't like maybe like people like who you know watch German films or whatever but like yeah. that we it introduces Christopher Waltz yeah like yeah. I think every great movie Brings a massive. You find something. You find someone new. Yeah. Yeah. And Christoph Waltz, 
who after what 20 plus years of acting mm-hmm. just springs into this movie and destroys it like oh was just it's... phenomenal in that movie great answer i think um, so <laughs> i'm into that answer i'm into that uh ooh, okay oh worst tarantino movie ever we don't even have to talk about it it's in uh hateful eight is the biggest piece of shit i hate that movie I hate everything about that movie except for the fact that, um, what is her name? Um, the blonde guy. Jennifer, J- uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Jason. Yeah. Oh, she's fucking great in it. Even the, like, I mean, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, even like the color palette of that movie, something is very off to me about it. Yeah. it it's the, it it's feels... too bright and weird for, I don't know, it's, it, it's an yeah. odd one. And yeah. they take <clears throat> Kurt Russell and Bruce Dern and people that I truly, truly love and make me not be mm-hmm. interested in them, yeah. which is a skill set. <laughs> uh, ooh, soundtracks. Yeah. What album would you present to the angelic choir to be the soundtrack of your afterlife? This is a hard question. When you say album, you mean like the score of a movie? Or... Exactly. Okay. Um, or a soundtrack <clears throat> of a movie. Um, score is a different thing. I have different answers for score. When scores. you say soundtrack, just to be clear, we're talking needle drops, like... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Well, that um, definitely narrows it into a certain... You know, playlists, more or less, are what soundtracks are. Mm-hmm. It's like, can I create a good mixtape? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and I think James Gunn kind of redefines soundtracks mm-hmm. by turning them into a mixtape, but mm-hmm. they've always been that. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. And I think there's a lot of great ones, man. The Crow has an amazing really? mixtape. Oh, it's a the Crow defined kind of like goth rock. I've never seen The Crow. We'll talk about that later. Jesus. <laughs> Thank you for not lying about it. <laughs> the Crow is great. That is a great movie. It is so good. Okay. And the soundtrack is, it introduced the world to like my life with the Thrill Kill Cult. Um, nobody had ever heard Henry Rollins before. The Cure have one of the they're all-time great cover songs on it. Mm. Nine Inch Nails is fucking on the sound. I mean, it's oh. a fantastic soundtrack. Okay. Um, I went with one that actually touched me near and dear <laughs> to my heart, and I think did the same thing, introduced people to bands like Mother Love Bone, Smashing Pumpkins became popular because of this, and that is Singles, Cameron mm. Crowe's Singles. Great, it is great, great answer. Thank you. It is such a banger of a soundtrack i could listen to it for the rest of my life chloe uh chloe dancer crown of thorns by mother love bone is on my mount rushmore of songs period i love that song i think it's it's my stairway Mm. it's like i love that song it's a beautiful song so fucking much um yeah drown by smashing pumpkins is phenomenal it's the best allison chain song uh wood i mean you know what i mean it's amazing it was such a perfect um, mixtape for Cameron Crowe's vision of what Seattle life was. The movie's a little goofy. I've lived in Seattle. Mm-hmm. That's not exactly what it was like. Yeah. But, <laughs> 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 um, but it's not that far from it. Mm. You know what I mean? It was like your friends' as family and what dating was like and all that. And it's a cool movie if you haven't seen it, but yeah. The soundtrack is next level fucking brilliant. Okay. Uh Uh-oh, we have an adjacent question. Oh, please. What is the best needle drop in a film? 
of all time. And just so everyone knows, listening, needle drop is like it's not score where a composer. It's like someone pulls a song in and puts it over a scene. Like for instance, and you can use this Layla in uh, God damn Goodfellas. it, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Was fucking Layla and Goodfellas. That, that was it, my answer. That is um, not the. That is not the best. It's not the best. No. What What would you say is the best? Rage Against the Machine at the end of The Matrix. Ooh, that's a really good one. That is a really, really good one. I mean, it's not fair. Layla is like, that is a perfect thing. And it's they come at different moments. Because Layla is this kind of montage of his life, like one day in his life completely spiraling. But, man, that Rage Against the Machine thing that hit. Like, oh, it's it, a banger. It's perfect. It's just like you come out of that yeah. movie at, when that hit, the credit hits. Oh, you want to go fight You want to go people. fight and fucking, like, it's just <laughs> awesome. And it just, like, lifts you up. And it's just so, it's just so perfect. I was. And it took them a decade for, for someone to use Rage Against the Machine. I mean, they came out in 91, maybe, yeah. that album came out. Yeah. And then, yeah, when because The Matrix was 99. It's 99. So not quite a decade, yeah. but, yeah. It made the suck fest of uh, Phantom Menace. Okay. <laughs> it did. <laughs> it did. Um, damn, I think we're on our. Uh, I know. I think we're on our last one. Oh wow! Let's, this has okay. Been so much fun, by the way. Thank you so much, for dude. It's us. been totally my pleasure. Um, all right, here we are. I have to. All right. Uh, all right last chance. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the virtuous movie character? The virtuous movie character that you wish you could meet in movie heaven. I'd like to hear more about meet, but well, I guess your answer will uh, um, define what that means. And when I say virtuous, I'm talking about a character in a film that lifts, inspires. Um, you know, Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life is a virtuous character, almost a feel good character, almost a feel good character. Yeah, something like life affirming. Walter Mitty is a virtuous character, an uplifting character. Tom Hanks in I know. Philadelphia, yeah. You bring up Philadelphia, that's answer adjacent. It's funny that you bring that up. I think the real virtuous character in Philadelphia, and this is my answer, Denzel. it's fucking Joe Miller, in uh, played by Denzel Washington in Philadelphia. Yes! It's his movie. Make no mistake, that movie... They got the Oscar wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I love Tom Hanks. I love I love his character. Mm. It's a brilliant character. You're right. No, you're right. But that movie, Philadelphia, is about Joe Miller's character and how he grows into a virtuous man. Now, he's a good man. He started off as a good man, but he had this thing in the beginning where he was still put off by Tom Hanks' character. He was put off by by a gay man being in his office. He was put off, you know what I mean? And there's this amazing scene in that movie where Tom Hanks yeah. is becoming very, very ill, and he's in the library researching his case because no one will take on his case, including Joe Miller. Joe walks into the library and sees him and watches people get up. They're trying to, like, put him in another room. They're trying, you know, because everyone's freaked out. And he walks over, he says, hi, how are you doing? How's the case going? Blah, blah, blah. He turns around to leave and he hesitates. And there's that moment when he sits down at the table with Tom Hanks' character and starts asking him questions about the case. 
And in that moment, you start to see Joe Miller as a good man, like a really good man that like, one, I'm interested in this case and maybe we could actually win this. But two, I just watched you for 30 minutes get kind of ostracized Mm. by all these people in this library. And it's like, I should probably step up and be the guy that fucking does this. And then from then, by the end of the movie, you know, he's in the hospital with him on his deathbed. And he, he, there's a scene where he, he takes the oxygen, oxygen mask and he refits it on his face mm. so that he can breathe. There's also the scene where, he, where we really see the lesions. Yes. Is and, that in, like, oh, in a deposition? And, that's in a, it's actually in court. In, yeah. And when he, when he asks Tom to pull up his shirt, which I think might be the most like, I, I'm, my eyes are well enough thinking about it. When he pulls up his shirt and you see the lesions and it, Denzel's brilliant move of just being like can you see those lesions you know what i mean like it was <laughs> mm. so fucking great and yeah if and you'd missed if you had like failed all the other questions you would have still gotten in to <laughs> heaven based on this answer alone it's a fantastic answer thank you that's wow really that's cool. a beautiful answer i appreciate that appreciate amazing that. and i'm thinking i'm like oh wait is there who else compares is that kind of a character in movie history where it's like a guy who's a good person but like has some misgivings about something but you see them like overcome it but not in a cheesy like like in an organic <clears throat> natural way yeah just realize i'm not being a good human right mm-hmm. now i could be a better human yeah and then he just allows himself to fall in love with this this I might people wa- i might watch that movie again tonight it's That's beautiful so and it will break your heart oh yeah it, great uh great original song by uh the boss too um and neil young also does uh, uh, there's Streets of Philadelphia and then Neil Young does an original song for that too which, that's what's Neil's song which I think is just called Philadelphia wow yeah, yeah both of them are really beautiful well brother you've like you're you're getting in I don't uh, know what that means for the finally. rest of, I don't know what that means for the rest of heaven I've been in hell burning <laughs> fucking <laughs> demons it's good news bad news there's no Fernet that, in heaven I'm just kidding there's Fernet no, not fine. interested it's fine <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean there's no Italians in heaven? That's, that's a big statement. Uh, <laughs> no, of course there are. Thank you for letting me uh, interview you. Dude, this was so much fun. Awesome so job. Much fun. Awesome job, man. This I never thought you would do this, but uh, thank God you're on strike. Yeah, exactly. We get, to, we exactly. get to hang out. Yeah. Because, dude, in like six months, you're going to be back to work, and I never get to see you. I mean, I want to go back to work, but I'm also can't imagine going back to work just yet. Um. I know there's nothing on the horizon. Uh, go to BlakeCrouch.com. Mm-hmm. Um, Blake's books are available everywhere. Please do yourself a favor. This man is so talented. You guys don't even understand how big everything's about to be around Blake Crouch. Um, but there's good stuff on the horizon. I promise you. I've seen it. Thanks, brother. Yeah. I've read it. <laughs> I'm in it. <laughs> no thanks brother so good to have you um and i'm gonna go enjoy the afterlife 